Hi, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk About Skills, baby. I am your host, Kelly Ryan Bailey. Each week, I chat with inspiring visionaries about the skills that make them successful, how they develop those skills, and their innovative approaches to improving skills-based hiring and learning around the world. Come learn what skills help you live your best life. Today, we're joined by Lamine Abdul-Malik. Lamine, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm fine. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks for inviting me onto your very interesting podcast with that name. I really like it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It is such a pleasure to have you here. Well, before we jump in, let me um, give a little bit of Lamine's background. So Lamine is currently the CEO of Honest Management and the Managing Director of Proof Nutrition. In 2005, Lamine was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize with the International Atomic Energy Agency. At the IAEA, he developed a regional strategy to help over 41 African countries use nuclear service and technology to address their primary development challenges in health, agriculture, and radiation safety. Prior to that, he started his career working at the UK Department for International Development, where he worked on international trade, debt relief, and economic and social research. Lamine is also very passionate about coffee and has been writing about coffee for over 13 years on his blog, From Coffee with Love. Um, Recently, he was featured on CNN as well. I know you shared that with me and I loved it. Um, In June 2019, he was invited to participate at the International Coffee Organization and European Union Coffee Symposium on the UN Sustainable Development Goals, where he interacted with global players such as Starbucks, Nestle, is it Illy? Am I pronouncing that right? Okay, I thought so. I mean, I love coffee too. (laughs) As they discussed ways which, uh, which to improve the coffee value chain. This is just so fascinating. Um, And then following his departure from IAEA, he has set himself a goal of having a positive impact on at least 1 million people's lives within the next five years using his skill sets in development, education, and of course, in coffee. I love this. I'm like so excited to dive in on all of these things, Lamine. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> I feel like the, the biggest question is, as I sit here without a coffee, which I, I realize I should have had a coffee that would have been completely <laughs> on topic. But you know what? I feel like a question I had for you, and I'm sure most people that love coffee and have been doing coffee, you know, in working with coffee for a long time is, what is the best at home coffee when you're not out and about? Um, I think probably least expensive. So obviously there's espresso, which is very, actually very complicated and actually very expensive. To make espresso, you have to buy a machine, a really good machine for ideally between one to $3,000. Wow. My machine cost almost that. And I didn't tell my wife the price for about three <laughs> years. But, it, but of course, I mean, it's like an investment. So I think at home, um, a lot of people might frown at things like the French press. But I really, if you get a really good coffee, and I mean like roasted by a specialist and mm-hmm. a, quite a good grinder, just for a very simple thing like a French press, you can actually get a really good cup of coffee. In really? fact, um, I'm just in transit at the moment. So I actually bought my gadgets. I bought French press and other gadgets like AeroPress and Hario V60. But I brought my, I bought my grinder with me. So as I said to you, in summary, you've got a good grinder, 
um, good coffee and a French press, which is very simple. I think sometimes it's called a plunger. Yeah. Um, and then if you just basically grind it correctly, you get a good roast and maybe slightly more of a fruity blend, like a Kenyan coffee is really good. Mm. Um, additionally, it's 15 grams of coffee to about 250 milliliters of off-the-boil hot water. Okay. That's a, a recipe. So that's very, very, very simple um, way to, to brew coffee at home. And, it, that, and that's actually how I started um, getting into coffee, just using that, a French press and really good coffee, basically. That's so interesting. We do have a French press, but um, to, because I love espresso, and of course we were in the process of potentially looking at another machine, but I just have an espresso machine. I'm sure that that's like terrible in your world. <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, my, my brother actually has one and um, sorry about that. My brother actually has one and there are some specialist roasters that have actually started doing um, capsules for Nespresso machine. In yes. fact, I went to a really nice coffee roastery just today, earlier in the afternoon in Dubai, and they've actually started doing capsules as well. Mm -hmm. So it could be, it, it is possible some roasters and maybe I'm sure in the, in the US, there might be some that are already experimenting with that because they know that some people who have a Nespresso machine, of course, is very good for convenience, but yes. they might want something different. They might want a, a, an exceptional tasting coffee from a different part of the world that, right. that you can't get from Nespresso. So that is another avenue that's available as well. Wow. I'm like one day when I get to come and visit and just go to the various coffee places with you is something I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of course, you're very welcome. And I've, I'm, I was just today doing like a map of different cafes in, in Dubai already. And this, oh, this wow. really the scene is really exploding here, which is actually fantastic. Um, so definitely by the time you come, we will have a few places to choose to show you. Um, fantastic. <laughs> And if, if anyone wants to follow along with this journey as well, I know I'll mention it later, but he, um, he, Lamine runs an Instagram account, um, and I, on from coffee with love. And so you can keep track of where he's headed and the spots that he recommends. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Kelly. Thanks. <laughs> so Lamine, I wanted to, you know, take this back a little bit because I've given some highlights, some amazing accomplishments in your life that I would just love to get a little bit more flavor on sort of like what led you and how you started out, how you ended up on this path and what led you to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends how far back you want to, I can go back to university or <laughs> I can go back later. <laughs> so if you choose that, I know how to, if so, I'll give you the option to choose how far. Um, well, let's, let, I mean, you know what, whatever feels most natural to you, because sometimes things happen in our childhood that really sort of like lead this on, lead us on our path. Um, so yeah. I think that's up to you. Okay. So, I mean, maybe I could probably start like before 10 years old. So um, I used to love, I used to love drawing. My favorite subject at school actually was art. And I, actually, I noticed that I used to draw a lot of like airplanes. I loved just drawing airplanes and I loved traveling. I remember my mom actually used to work for an airline, which is now bankrupt, called Sabina, which was the oh. Belgian national carrier okay. back like, in the 70s and the 80s. Oh, wow. And because of, because of that, she actually used to get like really cheap tickets, like, like yeah. 10%. And she, what I, my earlier childhood memory was you know, traveling to different parts of the world. And I remember by the time I was 10 years old, I could tell my classmates, well, I've traveled to about 14 countries. Wow. So, so I love the idea of traveling. And, you know, traveling for me was like very exciting. I'll dress like in my best clothes mm -hmm. uh, to travel. <laughs> um, but moving forward a little bit, I remember when I was at university and 
in my third year we had to choose like electives mm -hmm. and I did international economics and I was actually quite intrigued by using economics to basically alleviate the, alleviate the alleviate poverty I should say mm -hmm. maybe it's a little bit slightly naive if I talk about 20 years later but one thing that really stuck was um, and I always use this when I used to go for interviews people always say why did you apply to us and I remember and this is maybe this is a lesson going for, forward um so my final like interview, so we had seminar teachers and, and he said, he asked me, oh, let me, what would you like to do with, with your life, your career? I said, oh, I'd love to work for something like the World Bank and, you know, help, help poor people. And he laughed at me practically and said, oh, to work for the World Bank, you have to be really, really intelligent. You, you, you know, you should have a, a lower goal. And I didn't, it didn't discourage me, but, you know, fast forward to 2005, um, I, and I'm working for United Nations um, I, International Atomic International Atomic Energy Agency, mm -hmm. and I'm using nuclear science and technology to actually alleviate poverty. And of course, in 2005, my colleagues and I awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. If you had said, if I said to him, you know, when I graduated from university, oh, I want to win, a, I want to win a Nobel Peace Prize, he probably would have like, you know, thrown me out of the, <laughs> thrown me out of his office. <laughs> but I think one of the lessons that I learned from that was that whatever you want to do, you know, just start the journey. You never know what doors are going to open for you. Don't get discouraged by people on your path that will say, oh, no, you're, you're not smart enough to do that, or you should set your goals on this, or you set your goals on that. Just start the journey. You never know what is around the corner. Um, and I always, uh, like, if we, maybe we might go into this later on, like, you know, on skills, I always tell people, like, people some, come, sometimes come to me and say, oh, I mean, can you give me some career advice? And one of the things I always say to people is like, oh, what did you like when you were 10 years old? And they look at me curiously like, what's that got to do with anything? I said, well, I'm trying to take you back to what you were passionate about before everybody started telling you, no, you've got to be a doctor, no, you've got to be an engineer, you've got to be a lawyer. I'm asking you that question. I know it's not conventional, but life should not be conventional. So what, 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 did, you really, what did you really like? What were you passionate about? And then start from there. You might not be able to get into that um, start straight away, but at least spend some time on your weekend you know, even if it's one hour, right. just you know, revisiting your passion, whether it's like art or baking mm -hmm. or cooking or cycling or being outdoors, you know, just start. I think it's part of like keeping your, for me, I think keeping your heart alive, um, having a daily connection with whatever really um, enlights your heart. <laughs> it's so true though, because if, if you don't put any time, I mean, I find just like your mindset around other things that you can do in your life when you actually enjoy the, you know, things that you spend your time on is you have such a different view. Was this coffee yeah. for you? Yeah, so I mean, so we fast forward to 2000 and actually it's also 2005. Uh -huh. <laughs> so in 2005, my family and I went to Italy. Mm -hmm. I went to go and see my cousin. My cousin's married to um, an Italian and we went to like an apartment and he said oh have you ever had mocha pot and I said no what's that so he actually gave us a mocha pot and gave us some like typical Italian coffee yeah and, and I said okay well I'll just try it out and then, and then it was like a different experience for my taste buds I thought oh I've never tasted coffee like this before this is different so after that I got back to Vienna from holiday I thought let me just experiment and I just back then of course internet was fairly new yeah um, I just started doing a lot of research on coffee and then I started hearing about espresso. And I thought, this is fasc fascinating, you know, like, wow. wow. I never knew coffee could taste like this. So right. then I started getting into, into coffee and then I, I bought one espresso machine. It didn't do the job. 
a second espresso machine still didn't do the job <laughs> because of course the, the parameters they were talking about was really, really complicated. And that's what I said earlier on about espresso being actually very complicated. Mm -hmm. And then in about 2006, 2007, I can't remember now, they started the first actually coffee conference in London called Cafe Culture. And wow. I went to that um, and I met what we call World Barrister Championships. So basically there's a world, World Barrister Championship is basically who makes the best coffee in the world. There's actually a competition for that wow. on an annual basis. And I met, a, I met a, 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 an English guy who had just won, I think, James Hoffman. And I just, you know, I was on a conference, just started asking lots of questions and he was sharing so much information with me. And then by the end of two, middle of 2007, I thought, wow, I've got all this knowledge. What should I do with it? Oh, let me just start blogging. Let me just start writing and sharing my knowledge. You know, there's no point in me just holding on to it. What's it going to do for me? Let me just share it. Right. But of course, I started, I started getting more into coffee than... I bought more more machines and I used to import I used to buy coffee from different parts of the world and taste them at home. Yeah. And then then just and then just try them out and then start writing about my my experiences. Um and and that's and basically that's how I started. So I mean maybe a lesson from that is, you know, if you find something you're passionate about, you know, um I think last time I should I shared with you um curiosity plus experience equals innovation. I still so I have there. that written on a post-it note <laughs> right in front of me. <laughs> so I was, I was, I've, I've always been into food. Like even before I was ten years old, I was already baking cakes with my with my mum. And I love, I love cakes, and I always have to have dessert once once a day. I think we shared about this earlier on. And so for so so taste buds and things like that, anything that that kind of delights my taste buds and challenges me for me, it's just really really interesting yeah. and fascinating. So um, so yeah, and then. And then I think in 2013, I was approached by CNN and they were doing a special on um, coffee in, in Vienna. And they said, oh, would you like to write for us? So I, I, I did that. And every year they've been, they, they, um, they publish um, something on International Coffee Day and, on, and then in CNN also quote me about where to drink coffee and what kind of coffee it is, to, what, coffee, what kind of coffee you should order if you're in Vienna, for example. So again, just going back, you know, just start your passion and you never know what roads might open for you. But the most important thing is always just to start and never give it up. It's so true. And it sounds like you really had to focus on your own mindset as well, because it sounded like there was someone out there that had said to you, you know, and I, and I often find this sort of like, you know, people are offering friendly advice and they're trying to help you in their life when in fact, right, they're actually, you know, sort of maybe stopping you from going because there's a lot of people that would hear something like that and then in their minds they would be like, oh right I'm not going to do that um that's fine but you had yeah. to be strong enough to say you know thank you I'm gonna go do my <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, exactly yes <laughs> so, yeah so I think yeah I mean I, as if, I think that's right what you said about mindset you know we talk a lot about whether it's growth mindset fixed mindset and growth mindset is, you know, it's not about what's happening to me. It's about, oh, how can I happen to the world, for example? And a fixed mindset is always focused on, oh, this is my talent. I'm limited at this. Even though I might be great at this, I'm fixed at this. So, right. again, if, you know, with, with developing skills and talents, and, it, and that's, there's, a, there's a difference between that, you know, talents and gifts. So you can actually develop your talent. The gift is something maybe you were born with, um, but the, your talents you can always work on. You can also work on your skills. Definitely, there's no end to that. The world is the world is growing, and this there's discoveries every day. So how can there ever be an end to knowledge? It's, it's not it's right. Not exactly, and I feel like your coffee experience is such a great example of that because 
it's, it's not as if you, you know, you went and you tried this, you know, mocha, mocha pour. Is that what it was? A mocha pot. Mocha it's pot. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm like envisioning like the pour over. Um, so, okay. Mocha pot in yeah. Italy and you, it just, this came to you, um, this like sensation that you've never experienced before. And then you fell in love and you just kept going. And I, I feel like that's a perfect example because it's not as if we just all come out being experts in whatever it is, you know, we have to yeah. work at that. Definitely. I mean, I like this something um, Jay Shetty mentioned once about expertise. And he said, um, if you're not experiencing something, it's because you haven't actually experienced it yet. It's, yes. it's a process. No one, no one is born an, an expert or with having 30 years of experience at 20 years old. It's, no. it's, a, it's a journey. And every day you take a step towards the journey, it's actually, you're actually reaching a goal because you're getting closer to your goal. So a goal is, should not be seen as something that's an end game. Right. But it could be something that's daily. If you, if you take a step, you've actually reached your goal for that day. Right. Try and see, try and see every day as a goal, not saying, okay, I'm going to reach my goal next year. I'm going to lose weight in 20, 2022, or I'm going to be a millionaire in 2030. It's just, just start, just start the journey. And every day, hopefully you're, you're, you're moving closer towards that goal. So you have daily goals or hourly goals. It depends. Right. Right. It could be. And it's those small incremental steps, you know, it's just not going to happen overnight um, for anyone. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of times we'll look at other people's lives and think like, oh man, they were so lucky. Um, <laughs> you know, that luck is sort of a mixture, right, of skill and opportunity, but it's, it's not just as if that happened, you know, there was, I know, like, Sally Ann, who introduced us, she often says to me, you know, well, what's happening right now was like nine years in the making. And I love that, because people have to remember, like, there was all of this stuff that happened before this point. <laughs> exactly, exactly, definitely, because sometimes we, we, look at where we are now, but we forget about where we started, for example. Yeah. Um, like sometimes some of my friends say to me, oh, wow, you're so lucky your, your kids are already at university. And I said, well, it's a process. They didn't, I, I didn't, uh, they didn't just, I didn't, they didn't just come out of my wife's tummy and already at university. Right. <laughs> you're going to get there one of these days, don't worry. <laughs> they so have to grow, they have to crawl, they have to walk, they have to go to school, they have to, do the exams, they have to apply to university. It's, it's, like, it's like that in life. It's just, you know, it's a process. Right, exactly. I feel like this is a good lesson to remind people of that, this, you know, things take time. Um, but to the, the, these passions that you describe, and I mean, I'd, I, you know, beyond the fact that you went ahead and started researching and documenting that in a blog and, you know, then moved to social media and then this connection with CNN, of course, yeah. um, you've, you've just recently, you know, sort of turned this into a business in and of itself. Um, yeah. And so I'd love to kind of talk about that a little bit more just to share with people that, you know, th these things that we call our side passions that maybe we're pursuing, not necessarily as our full-time job, it doesn't mean that it can't be. Um, it's just the things that sort of happened to get us there. So tell us a little bit about how you went from being, you know, the person who, wow, coffee is amazing. I'm going to go into that. I'm going to research. I'm going to start to become knowledgeable about, about this to an expert to now like, okay, I think, you know, I'm ready for the next step. Yeah. Um, so maybe I will probably go back about 10 years ago. So, um, I actually had two stints at the IAEA. The first one actually ended in 2009. And naturally when I was in that position, 
Um, I knew it was going to end in 2009 because that, that organization always gives you a fixed seven years for professional staff. Mm-hmm. So, of course, naturally, I was in a normal thing. I applied for lots of jobs. Oh, gosh, I'm not getting any jobs. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know, middle of 2009, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to pursue my passion and actually have a cafe. Mm-hmm. So after a bit of a while, of course, convincing my wife and my kids, <laughs> we, just, we, actually, we actually decided to move to Cape Town. So I actually had my wow. first coffee shop from um, September 2010 to about February 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved there, set up my cafe. And um, I always use this lesson, always listen to your wife. So when I had my cafe, it was, you know, it was, it was very tough. I think the first four or five months, it was very, very tough. Yeah. And of course, you know, we had some, there was one, I think one or two days where we had like, not even up to 10 customers. <laughs> so moving, to, moving into a new city, no one really knows you. And, and Cape Town, yeah. I have to say, this is very clicky. So people okay. kind of stay, stay to themselves. Sure. And I just wanted people to have the best coffee. So I knew based on my research and speaking to people that, you know, I, I could handle myself in making really good coffee. And then my wife said to me, what, why don't you just tell everybody you have a Nobel Peace Prize? And I was like, why? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just want people to have coffee. I don't want them to know anything about me. I want the product to be the king. And she said, no, just tell them. So, okay, I said, okay, fine, we'll tell them that. So what I did, I put in the cafe like a, like a quiz. So I created a placard and I said, um, so... Two of my staff had very unique skills. One of them actually became almost a professional football player. I think in America, you call that oh, soccer. Wow. Yep. Um, but, but on the day before he was supposed to go, he actually broke his leg. Oh. And then um, my, my main barrister had been working for about five years. So I just put down three things. Did you know that one of us was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize? Did you know that one of us almost played professional football? Did you know that one of us was working for coffee for five years? So some of the customers will come and say, why are you guys lying? We're like, what do you mean? He said, who, who, who won a Nobel Peace Prize in this cafe? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I did. And I said, oh, where's the award? So my wife said, you know what? Go and frame the award and put it in the cafe. Yeah. And then, so I did that. And people were like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is true. And then of course, then I started getting a lot of um, media attention and food writers come, came to the wow. cafe as well. And one of the things that I did is, again, things take time. I'm going back to Cheesecake. So when I yeah. first met my wife, I asked her, what's your favorite dessert? She goes, I love cheesecake. So I said, okay, I'm going to try and make, I didn't really eat cheesecake back there. So I'm going to try sure. and make a cheesecake that my wife is going to say, wow, this is great. So it, <laughs> took me se- it took me seven years to develop a cheesecake recipe where my wife said to me, that you know what, that's, that's it. Don't <sighs> change the recipe ever again. <laughs> so when I got that recipe from then on, then I, even some of my colleagues started ordering cheesecake for me so I had that in the cafe and I a, a famous food writer came to my cafe one of these days she goes oh my god this is the best cheesecake in Cape Town wow. I said really she said yes she goes first of all increase the price I said oh she goes put the price up wow <laughs> I, put, I put the price up and then she actually wrote uh, she put a double spread in a famous Sunday magazine on me and from then on boom it, it was just big cool. yeah we broke even so I said, so I always say, always listen to your wife. <laughs> right? That's such a great, I mean, I feel like you should say this to my husband then. <laughs> so, but no, um, now I have another thing to add to my bucket list, which is like, I hope that you'd be willing to make cheesecake when I come and visit. Of course, I will bring scones. <laughs> yeah, of course. I heard you've got some really, you've got a really nice, uh, I'm very intrigued by the way you described it last time. So I'm, 
uh, we can definitely do a swap, definitely. Okay. <laughs> I'll do the cheesecake, you do the scones. We get a okay. clotted cream, like typical Perfect. British clotted cream with exactly nice, nice jam. And <laughs> I had to yeah. actually go into the bakery on Sunday um, and make scones. And I was, <laughs> I hadn't actually <laughs> made them in the bakery in about a year um, because we have, you know, staff, pastry chefs in the yeah, bakery that do you know do these things but um yeah I was actually in there making scones and you know if you I mean I don't know the equipment that you may have had in your coffee shop but the equipment in the bakery is like quite large <laughs> yeah, I'm sure <laughs> no, I didn't have anything that grand <laughs> yeah I mean I, so I think so, so yeah so you 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 had the cafe like I love and I love too that you you brought your person, you know, you as a person into this business, because a lot of times we think like, oh, you know, even though it seems like a really great accomplishment, like we often are concerned about coming across in the wrong way. I'm sure, you know, yes. you don't want to be like, oh, well, I, I have an ego or anything like that. And it's not yeah. that at all. It's just that that's who you are. And yeah. all these parts of you that make you unique is part of what makes you, the experience of people coming to your shop unique too. Yes, exactly. In fact, this, early on today, someone was asking me how did I run my cafe, and I was I said to them that, um, in fact, at, at the beginning, of course, I was doing all the baking, so my staff were doing the coffee preparation and serving, yeah. and I did all the, I did all the food. Wow. Then, but of course, as, as we got more publicity, people started coming to the cafe to see me. <laughs> <laughs> So I had to train my staff how to do some of the food because I couldn't do everything. So we would say, oh, where's Lemmy? I want to see him. And people will come and take pictures and things like that. Aww. So it was, a little, it, was, it was a little bit embarrassing. But, but then, of course, that drew the crowd. And it was, I wanted to always have a personal touch. And what I loved about running my cafe was no, no day was the same. So you always meet different types of people. And I always want to ask you lots of different questions, not just about coffee or food, but just international affairs. or, oh, or yeah. Lemmy, what, what do you think about this? Or... What do you think about that? And and then we got we got TV interview, a radio interview, and then a lot of the main newspapers also covered us. Um, but again, it's just you know going back to what I said earlier, just start the process. You never know what will happen. Um, running the cafe, it was doing really bad. Then we added the concept about going back to what I what the Nobel Peace Prize. And mm -hmm. I think there's also lessons in that when you sometimes when we're, when we're going forward, we try we tend sometimes to forget like our background mm -hmm. and that could also be very interesting for people um in fact if we talk about where i am now yes yeah, so now i'm offering like coffee consultancy services basically i want to help people who want to actually set up a cafe or also existing coffee establishment obviously with covid love cafes have been shutting down i always tell people i say why would you want to help someone open up a cafe i say well coffee consumption is not going down right so Maybe those cafes had a had a bad business plan, and in fact, in, uh, in Dubai just last week, we, we were speaking to a, a cafe owner, and he, apparently he told us. I mean, he said that basically the the licenses in Dubai for establishing a coffee shop have expired. So basically, there's a cap. So if you want to open a coffee shop in Dubai, you have to wait till 2021. So here, everybody, there's a recession, but it's it's obviously it's something that everybody wants to have and then in 2010 the same thing happened in london in fact during the recession in 2010 it was the fastest growing um sector in london in 2010 was actually open up a cafe 
So coffee consumption has never gone down since the history, to the best of my knowledge. So people still want to have that. That's you know that's yes. you know that special treat. Um, coffee is still the second most traded commodity in the world after oil. I bet. And it's, and it's still the it's still the most popular beverage in the world. I think even more popular than Coca Cola. So after water, it's coffee. Right. If you look at the the, the consumption levels. That's personally so I maybe, how I rank them. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so if so, don't forget about your your past. So one of the two things I want to do is also look at not just coffee consultancy. And in fact, I'm, I've developed a course on how to establish a coffee business. And I also have a bonus on how to position yourself even with COVID times. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm also looking at providing services related to my, my previous background in international affairs. Um, I did a lot of work, for example, in cancer, mm-hmm. mainly in Africa, um, with, with Kenya, with Sudan, with Namibia. Zambia. I helped Zambia create their first um, radiotherapy center for, for treating cancer. I also worked with Zimbabwe um, as well. So those are the, some of the main countries that I help in terms of cancer management. So I have those skill sets. So there's no point in saying, oh, no, I don't want to do that anymore. But find something that, even if you want to change your career, find something that you really love in that area. Um, I think I posted about something like this before. There's something you really love. Try and get extra training before you leave. Okay. And also just do a little bit more research in that area and also use social media. So mm-hmm. about, I knew I was going to leave the IAA 30th of November, 2019, because my seven years was up basically. Right. But a year, a year before that, I already created the concept of honest management. So what I did is I created, I created honest management as a hashtag. So I always used to use that in LinkedIn. And I always talk a lot about leadership and management because the idea of honest management basically means that people should be honest. Well, two things, they should be honest with themselves if they really want to know how they want to progress. So mm-hmm. just be doing a bit of research into yourself. Mm-hmm. Saying, okay, what, what is it that I really want to do with my life? So that, so you're managing your life honestly. And also I think if managers or leaders are honest, then that helps people because if you're in charge of people's lives, they really love people to be honest with them. I don't know anybody in the world or I haven't met anybody that loves leaders or managers to lie to them. No. So I think if you're, if you're honest and open to people, you will actually get more from them. So mm-hmm. the idea of honest management came from that. And initially on LinkedIn, I was just posting about, um, I did like, I think a series, 12 things, what an honest manager should do. Then I started talking about management. And then of course, then I talked a little bit about coffee. So just start planning a year ahead of time, doing a bit of groundwork. Um, again, just find something that you really love. I loved the idea of cancer management because it's very, it's um, the impact on people's lives is, is tremendous. If you, cure, if you cure one person of cancer, especially in Africa where it's a very maternal um, environment. So basically if the mother is healthy, then the children are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the men go out to work traditionally, but you know, the woman is like the mainstay of the house. And sadly, um, more women get cancer than men. So yeah. if you think about it from that aspect where you help a country, manage the cancer, the impact on the society is, is phenomenal. So mm-hmm. it's the, so that's what, that's what I kind of loved about it. Also, I had obviously um, some losses in my family, my father, um, my brother-in-law, my great, my grandfather as well, um, passed away from cancer. So for me, it was also something personal to say, okay, I've had this in my life, loss in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I also help other people to, to kind of manage that process as well so they don't go something through what I went through as well. Right. Yeah. 
No, that's so that that's really touching because I'm sure that and it's and it's fascinating to me how you've pulled together all of these areas that you have like personal feelings towards to create something that's new. Um, and I'm so glad that you've shared that and that there is groundwork that goes into that. Um, you're yeah. not going to just turn on that light switch one day and it's all going to be up and running. Um, you went exactly. through the process, but it really was something that was personal and, and a passion for you that led yeah. you into these areas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, a mix I'm, of those skills that you have with those passions. That's the, that's the piece that's so fascinating to me. So that in that year process, you mentioned, you know, just like brushing up or learning some new skills. Did you do that yeah. through your work or did you do that through more formal education? Um, so I did that a little bit through my work. So what happened um, in about 2017, there was uh, a kind of a position available that would actually really push me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and my, my former boss said, oh, I think you'd be the best candidate for that. And in my mind, I, I sat there thinking, oh, this is going to be like really long hours. Right. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? Let me just let me just take the challenge. Yeah. Um, and I did, and I just said, okay, and it helped me to grow. It got, got me a lot more exposure. And in fact, in the in your intro, you mentioned about how I developed a regional strategy for helping mm-hmm. 41 African countries. That was one of my outputs from that role, actually. Oh wow. Um, and I never would have had that access because before I was covering like three or four countries, it was fine, mm-hmm. it was comfortable. I knew what I was gonna do, I'd go and visit them every year. I knew all of them for like several years, but this role pushed me to interact with even more like politicians. So it helped me in terms of negotiating skills. And also it kind of challenged, okay, what is my vision like for the continent? Right. Uh, I, was in, I was in kind of that role. So, okay, this is, I work with, obviously working with my colleagues, working with my director. So I said, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's try this. Let's try and push this then. It's going to be a lot of work, but yeah. it can only help me grow. So in terms of, enhancing my negotiating skills and you know I was uh, when I when I finished a lot of people sent me all these really nice emails saying you really really learned a lot from you you're a real leader I never thought about it like that I just said I just wanted to this is a vision that I have to help you become more independent to have a more strategic focus so so that I took I came out of my comfort zone a lot um, and it really it really did push me and challenge me a lot but I'm definitely all the better for it. I, I have I have no regrets. Yeah, of course there were some some really long hours and and, and some very sure. stressful stressful time, but you know it just you know you just do it to the best of your ability, and definitely that that helped to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I, I definitely have no regrets about that. Completely. I mean, it's like those those challenges, those moments of growth in those difficult times. Something that you know, like you said, pushing outside of your norm. Um, that is just such a great way to build additional skills. I just call them life skills, you know, but it's, it really truly is. And it also allows you to figure out again, as you're making these moves, like what other pieces you can bring with you. I tend to use this analogy that the skills we gain throughout our life are sort of like this backpack that we carry along and we like add additional things to it. And every time you add more things to your backpack, it, it opens additional windows and doors in your life yes. it's it's really surprising that's true exactly um i think also there's you know just talking about skills so when i was um there's this famous thing i don't know if it's attributed to bill gates where um it says the, the ten thousand hour rule i'm sure you've heard of it yeah um, that 
don't consider your ex an ex yourself as an expert unless you've got 10,000 hours. So when I, I thought about, you know, should I call myself a coffee expert? Then I actually went back to 2005. Right. I said, okay, how long did it take me to do a post for my blog? Um, maybe an hour, two hours, sometimes even three hours. If I was writing about a cafe, you know, I've gone to the cafe, right. I've spent time there. And then you come back, you write your notes. Then I added the hours. Okay, it wasn't reaching 10,000 hours, probably about 9,000 and something hours. And I said, okay, I'm going to call myself a coffee expert um, because if I even use that as a yardstick, <laughs> um, then, you know, there's this concept also about the imposter syndrome, like, oh no, I'm not good yes. enough for that. But, 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 but who's, what, what yardstick are you using and who's judging you? Um, right. If, and if you make a mistake, that's how we, that's how we, that's how we learn. Look how we started walking. Yes. How many times, how many times did we fall down? <laughs> exactly. And we can, I mean, my son, my son right now, he's five and he is learning to ride without his training wheels. And oh, wow. when you would, if you would see his knees, you know, because I'm like, if it, like, I think back to when I learned to ride a bike, I mean, and I don't remember everything, but I do remember being scared sometimes because it hurts and he just, yeah pops right back on that bike and just keeps going like and he'll be like bleeding <laughs> wow <laughs> but you know it's, so you it's a good lesson for us because a lot of times like as you become an adult you lose that aspect yeah. you think when you when you see people and the way that they act you think like there's this perf level of perfection it's not that way at all you could be I mean, Tony Robbins makes mistakes. Jay Shetty makes yeah. mistakes. Like all of these, this, we're just human, just like anyone else. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I like that quote by Jay Shetty where he said he only he only he he posts or does something when it's seventy five percent ready. Yes. If you yes. wait, if you waited for eighty percent or ninety percent, you said you wouldn't even know who he is because you would never do anything. <laughs> no, no. And, and it's, and I, and I did this, it's the same thing with this podcast. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Here we go. <laughs> um, and every week it's like one little thing that I can do better. And of course, if I sat here and I thought about the huge big picture and I compared myself to Jay Shetty's podcast, I, I would, it, that would be, you know, over like almost overwhelming. Like, of course I'm not him and I haven't done it for this long and my yeah, things aren't exactly. as professional as his, but but that's okay. Like I'm, I'm working these small increments and I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not afraid yeah. like today when just internet decided to not work and <laughs> my, my background was flipped around and <laughs> yeah, exactly. All just sorts calm, of things. breathe. Right, right. Exactly. But it's this, you know, I feel like that's a really good point is that it's just, you can't be afraid to fail. And I know most people think when I say these things like, Oh, that's not a skill. Um, well, actually it is um, because a lot of people are afraid and that's something, it's not something that you just comes naturally. It's something that you have to work at and make a choice at and it's okay. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I definitely fully agree with that. And I think, you know, my concept is that even though you've already got one life to live, I know some people think, oh, that's a little bit, you know, theoretical. I say, right. well, I, I prefer to be like, you know, when I'm older or when it's on my deathbed saying, at least I tried. Yes. I'm like, oh, I wish I wish I'd gone. I wish I'd gone to do that. Oh, I wish I'd done that. Or I wish I'd said that. Of course, sometimes you make mistakes. Or I wish I'd said that at that moment in time. Of course. Um, but that but that moment has passed. But at least with the bigger things, you know, you just just try and see. Okay, I, I give it my best shot, and I think inside there'll be some kind of 
kind of, I don't know whether it's like a kind of a spiritual reward. If you try something, even if it doesn't work, at least, you know, okay, I gave it my best and maybe it's, I'll look for another road. I'll, I'll find another way to see where I want to go. Yeah, exactly. I do find it's some, some, there's something inside that it's a calming, you know, the, the, the thought of not going after something and the stress that that causes you versus you've attempted it. There's a, just a different feeling inside. Um, and sometimes you just find something unexpected, like you That's said, true. in any way now. And, and I find, especially what you're doing with honest management and sort of this combination of the coffee consulting, the courses, the work, um, with sort of the cancer management, you know, although I wouldn't have come into chatting with you thinking like, this is some crazy innovation when we talk about <laughs> skills-based hiring and learning, but but in all honesty, this morning, while I was trying to fix my internet and I was thinking about what we were going to talk about, I was thinking that actually taking courses like this and learning from another person who has worked hard to become an expert in something is actually a new way of learning. Because yeah. traditionally, and I'm sure this was the same for you, is that like there was really no, um, you know, it, it, it was sort of like if you didn't go on to university, um, you know, maybe you weren't going to be successful. And apparently even to your professor, some people that did go to university <laughs> were not either, but, yeah. but there exactly. was really this very traditional way about life, which was like, you needed to go through formal education. These are the steps that you had to take to be successful. Whereas now you and I who had experience going the traditional route and now experience going what some people might call the untraditional, but feels very natural to us. I think that is really a new way of, of learning, to be honest, because like this is really focusing on, you know, it, it's interesting when I think about this, we've talked about this, my husband um, has always loved coffee, um, you know, not starting a blog or anything like that, but he just like loves consuming coffee and going and finding amazing coffee places. And he has said to me years past, and I had remembered this after our last conversation, he yeah. said, like it just was a dream of his to have a coffee shop someday. And it wasn't only because of the coffee. It was just like the experience of what you described in your shop where you go and it's different every day and you meet different people and you have these amazing conversations. It's sort of this experience along with like taste bud experience and personal experience that you feel. And I think about if I was going to embark upon starting a coffee shop, like I would want to, I don't want to read the book, like, you know, coffee shops for dummies. <laughs> I want to learn. From, I actually have that book. So don't laugh um, because I did toy with this at one point. Um, <laughs> but, but I would prefer to go to someone that has had this level of experience that has traveled and gone to these places like that. And that is really a new way for, I think, people to think about, you know, I don't want to go and take some course with some professor that's never been out there and never experienced this and never yeah. had what you've had. And you're bringing learning to people in a totally new way. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Gary. So that's actually, that's a really good point. Um, I remember, I think my sister-in-law and also, I think one of my cousins asked me, oh, let me know. I would like to do an MBA, what do you advise? And I was, I mean, I did an MBA but, you know, many years ago and I said to them, well, I remember when I did economics, I did actually did labor economics. I remember the statistic that stayed in my mind and the jump from, I think, master's or PhD in terms of incremental in your salary wasn't that yes. much. And I, I believe now the way the world is like getting a skill set that's relevant 
I think, ideally in line with your personality. And in fact, what I put down in my, it might sound a bit unusual, but I have basically three areas that I want to focus on as a coffee consultant. I said, the first one is helping you design a coffee business in line with your personality. Mm, I love that. It's not about, you know, oh, that cafe is really, I really love that cafe. They're really busy. I want to have a cafe like that. But maybe it's not, maybe your personality is different. So something that is not stressful. Um, Even though we broke, I always tell everybody this. So even though we broke even with my cafe, I never actually earned enough to pay myself. But in that three and a half years, I never, ever woke up saying I'm going to work. It never it even it never entered my mind. I was even waking up earlier. I had to be in my cafe at six thirty because by seven right. o'clock everybody's at a cafe. So I never said, "Oh, I got to wake up," or "It's too cold," or "Why do I have to go in today?" And that I, I just don't have, I don't have to describe that feeling. I never said I'm going to work. It just never entered my mind. Wow. Uh, so even if even if for that, I mean, I just thought I would love to have that feeling again. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that's one of the things that, that I, I also learned from from that. And also what I was when I was doing like thinking about what kind of like reinventing myself. I did I did some online courses, mm-hmm. first of all. Like I did a couple of online coaching courses. And what mm-hmm. I liked about actually online coaching courses, I tell a lot of people, oh, should, they say, oh, should I do an online coaching course? I say, well, the thing about online coaching courses that I found and I use Mind Valley a lot was that 75 or 80% of those courses are actually about you. Right. 20%, 20% is about, oh, how do you get clients? Because you're learning about, about yourself. <laughs> ex- exactly. Which, which, which is what I actually loved about the courses. I was like, yeah. oh, it's, it's asking you questions because you, you can't coach someone if you actually don't know about yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> about what you want in life. So from those couple of courses that I did, I was like, oh, wow, this is, it helped me like, you know, get my mind focused about, okay, what do I really want to do? What do I want to achieve? Right. What is my ideal day? What is my right. ideal salary, for example? Things like exactly. that. Um, well, how would I like to spend the next five years or 10 years of my life? So I could start mapping that out, thinking, and then start planning backwards and said, okay, this is what I would like to have in place. And that, that's what led me to one of my goals, which is I would, like, I would love to have a positive impact on at least one, people, one million people's lives in a positive way. Yes. I thought, because I started thinking, oh, that, that's about, you know, a lot of successful people said they made a lot of money, but they were still empty inside. And then when they started yeah. helping people for free, they found something within their heart. They were like, oh, wow, this is, I never experienced this feeling before. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just about, you know, getting, becoming a millionaire. It was like saying, oh, I'm helping people. And I thought, yeah, that's the feeling that I, Yes. But I would love, I would love to, I would love to. Right. Have. Yes. So I, let me, let me at least go for that feeling and try my best to get that feeling so that I can experience that on a daily basis. And of course, God willing, the, the, the resources will follow with that. Right. <laughs> um, right. Like, so I can look after my family and support my wife and all that kind of stuff. Of so, course. um, so, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the journey that I, that I'm, that I'm on, but I definitely think looking at skill sets and, learning from people. There's so many courses now. If you were looking at negotiating skill sets, um, focus, I think it's better to look at getting a course on that. Right. And maybe, maybe sometimes if you're good at reading, people learn differently. Now you can either watch, so you can right. watch YouTube, you can listen to a podcast, or you can read. Those are the right. three main ways that we actually learn. So um, 
So there's there's so many avenues now. So if you want to be, if you're either going for a morning jog, you can put on a podcast, or, or if you have a bit of time, you can sit down in the evening, you can watch a, a YouTube. But I learned a lot right. from podcasts and YouTube channels as well before I took the step to actually start paying for some courses that I did. Right. I also knew that, okay, I would love to do this, but maybe let me learn from people who have done this. Right. Um, I, I don't, I, it's not a, des- I, have, I haven't reached the destination where I can say, oh yeah, I've done this. I don't need to, I don't need to learn anymore. I know, I know everything. Even if I do a course and I learn two or three things, that's, that's for me, that's, that's paid for the course. Completely. I've learned, I've learned three things that I can say, okay, I, I'd like to implement this in my life going forward. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I find like, I love that you described the different ways to learn too, because that is a thing from a traditional learning aspect to nowadays that is so different because you were, you know, their learning was only one way. And if you weren't really skilled at that, or you had, let's say like my daughter has the gift of dyslexia, you know, you, that you were kind of left out of the ability and learning is such a gift. And there are so many different ways to learn now. And so it doesn't matter what your preference is, what you excel with, whatever it is. I mean, you can just go and find that and do that. And, and it's, it's, and especially when it's something that you love, like I know, like I, when I, I listen to podcasts a lot myself, actually, which is like the, the reason why I wanted to do this because I felt like, wow. Um, and I was especially just gravitated towards the growth mindset thing. So I can really appreciate when you say, um, and it's only because I had to work through some issues myself and in helping my daughter gain her confidence that really got me into thinking about you know, life skills in this way, which is, you know, if you don't have the confidence, the belief in yourself, like you're okay with the challenges and that you're not going to be perfect all the time, that you're going to fail. And that's just part of the process. Like a lot of times you're just not even going to ever start or try. And that to me was just such a sadness that I saw with all these people, like you said, like they, their days were not like you (laughs) jumping up early and like, all right, let's go. (laughs) Um, their days were definitely like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do this. Um, you know, life is blah. And, and yeah. that's just such a shame. That's true. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think as you said, like, you know, there's one of the questions, I'm sure you've read the book as well by Carol Dweck. Um, yes, mindset. I love that book. Uh, and um, yeah, it says, for example, don't ask your kids what they want to become. Ask your kids what they would love to change yes. in, the, in the world. Um, and it's also related to the concept of the Japanese concept of ikigai. Yes. So basically what, what you like, what other people like, what, what the world needs, for example. And I really love the way that um, um, the, the founder of, um, oh, I've forgotten the name now, the, uh, the, the innovative tights, it's just spandex. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love the way she broke down Ikigai because Ikigai can actually be a little bit confused. And she just said, and I did the exercise myself. She just said, write down five or six things that really bother you in, 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 your, in the world. Yep. And then and say, okay, this really bothers me. Why isn't this like this? Why isn't that like that? And then, okay, say, where, and then try and match that with your skill sets. Obviously, some things are probably a little bit beyond your reach. Sure. But if you, if you break it down, like that's what she thought. So why, why is it that women, um, if they want to wear white linen pants, can't have to wear thick tights, for example? Right. There must be a solution to this. <laughs> now she's a billionaire. But, um, right. but, but that, was, that, that was, it just bothered her. 
it just really bothered me. I said, oh, let me, let me f- see if I can find a solution to this. So right. like, you know, one of the things I think about is like, why do people go to co- coffee shops and why do they have bad coffee? Because I've studied how to make coffees. Like, well, if you just follow five, five or six steps, you can make great coffee. So that means in the steps, someone is cutting down on one or two things, whether they're trying to just be cheap about it. It's just like, okay, sure. why, why are they doing that? Just, it's not that complicated. It's like a formula more or less. So I wrote down that list of about six or seven things. And that's maybe um, for your listeners or, or, or the viewers, if there's something that they're thinking about, oh, I haven't found my passion yet, just write down, you know, just have an exercise. You can even do, have a, do a fun exercise even with your family. Right, that's how the, I do it the, with the kids. <laughs> we all yeah. Do. <laughs> yeah, around the table, what really bothers you about, yeah. you know, about life or what, did, or what happened to you today? So why is it like that? Why can't we have this? Why can't we have that, for example? I mean, mm-hmm. that, you might have an opening. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's, and it's a reverse way of a lot of how a lot of people think about what they need to do in their life. Right. Because you described like, I'm going to go work at the world bank. And I'm sure that this was like a typical thing that someone from where you went to school would say, because that was just like what success looked like to us. But it doesn't mean that that's the way. And I think a lot of people are starting to think of it this way. And I love that you're really pressing on that with your business in so many ways and just bringing all of these passions together to make something that's uniquely you. Um, I know we're getting a little close to the end of our time here, Lamine, and I, I wanted to leave with an open-ended question just that, I mean, I feel like you've just dropped so many amazing thoughts for everyone to consider. Um, and of course this last one, but I'll leave with the open-ended question. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, I think what, one of the things that um, when I was about to leave the IAEA and a lot of my colleagues were saying to me, oh, no, you're, you're leaving. What are you going to do with your life? And I said, oh, I, this is what I want to do. I want to do something with coffee. I want to see if I can help people continue being on service. And, he's, and one of the things that struck me, I don't know whether I felt sad about it. He said, how can you know what you want to do? And I said to them, don't you know what you want to do? And, and that kind of struck me. I thought, wow, a lot of people just going through life and... Um, they don't really know what they want to do and they only have one life and I always say try and live it as best as you can so I think that some people who might not have found that purpose just even if you spend five or ten minutes of your day just thinking about what you really love to do and maybe just there's a few exercises you can do what happens if you had if you think oh it's about money just okay if you had one million dollars or two million dollars what would you do and what would you do what happens if you never had to work you know what would you do with how would you spend your day And just and just spend a bit of you can, you can either do it through like a meditative exercise, close your eyes for five or ten minutes, or just reflect on life or how you want to be remembered. Um, so I really encourage people to just really think about what they really want to do, and if they're not in a position where they can just say, "Oh, I'm going to start up my, my business or start," just at least try and reconnect with that on a daily basis. And if you can't right. do that, at least on the weekend, you know, just spend an hour just or half an hour just thinking about, well, if I love, I, I really love, I wanted to be an artist when I was five years old. Why didn't I become that? Or I wanted to be a writer. Um, just start writing. And there's so many courses, free courses you can learn how to write. Just start writing anything, write about your experience. You never know how you can connect with anybody because we're all, there's over 7 billion of us and definitely there's people that are going through what you're doing 
or, or maybe some hardship and it will, it will definitely connect with you. So just try and share what you have as best as you can and really be connect with yourself. That is such great, great advice to leave us with Lamine. Thank you so much. Yes, I so. want to mention that anyone um, <clears throat> that is looking to stay in touch with Lamine or is interested in working with him, because of course, like I'm already thinking through that. Um, Lamine <laughs> is available on LinkedIn at Lamine Abdul hash Malik. Um, you can also learn more about From Coffee with Love on their website, which is fromcoffeewithlove.com. Um, that is also available on Twitter at From Coffee Love or Instagram From Coffee with Love. I highly recommend following those, by the way, because I'm super fascinated by it. Um, you can also learn more about Honest Management on their website, honestmanagement.org. Um, and you also have Instagram and Facebook, excuse me, Facebook pages for yes. that organization as well. And I just find it's it, what I found so interesting about following those particular accounts was that it was just really like uplifting and inspiring. So Thanks. something that is great to sort of have, I know when I try to look at my feed, I like it to be something that is going to be inspiring and positive messages for me. And that will definitely get you there. So I highly suggest <laughs> keeping you. tabs on those. Thanks, and Kelly. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Lamine. I so appreciate you being here and spending the time. It has just been fantastic getting to know you, and I hope that we can continue. Definitely, Kelly. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I hope your viewers and listeners will benefit from our wonderful chat together. I hope they do as well. Um, and I want to thank everybody else for listening in to this episode of Let's Talk About Skills, Baby. If you enjoyed, please feel free to shoot over some feedback, um, would love a rating and review. And I am also available at Kelly Ryan Bailey on all the various socials, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So thank you again and hope you all have a wonderful day. Bye.